This is Floss Weekly. I'm Doc Searles. This week, Dan Lynch and I talked to Sandra Henry Stocker, who writes the Unix as a Second Language column for Network World and is with us from the mountains of Western Virginia. I have to get that right. It's Western Virginia, not West Virginia. She's near West Virginia, but it's Western Virginia, beautiful part of the country where she lives in the woods and and informs the world all kinds of interesting things about Unix and especially Linux. She's been doing it for the last 30 years and she's really interesting and good. And that comes up next. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Floss Weekly, episode 663, recorded Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Unix as a second language. This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get the password manager that offers a robust and cost-effective solution that can drastically increase your chances of staying safe online. Get started with a free trial of a Teams or Enterprise plan or get started for free across all devices as an individual user at bitwarden.com slash twit. Hello again and good morning, good evening, or good whatever it is wherever you are. In the world, I am Doc Searles, and this is Floss Weekly, and I am joined uh, this week by Dan Lynch himself, calling from his side of the world. <laughs> hey, Doc, how are you, how you doing? You good? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, in, I'm here in Santa Barbara, California, for uh, not quite the last time for a while, but I'm here, and you are in Liverpool, I assume. I'm in Liverpool. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm slightly jealous because I've never been to Santa Barbara, but everybody I know who's been there tells me it's the most beautiful place to go. <laughs> it so. it is ridiculously nice. It's like right. I think it's like sixty. That is it. No, it's sixty. Oh, it's fifty-seven. It says, but it'll be seventy something. So it'll be twenty something in 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 the in the way of measuring everybody else in the world uses. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, shortly, and it's of course sunny outside and nice. We had a little bit of rain. We have we have two seasons here, rain and fire, and rain just ended. So we're working on the fire season now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well we have we have plenty of ice here at the moment. It's not uh not too cold, but it's there's a little bit of ice around, so we're getting typically oh, British kind of wet weather oh, at the moment. Boy. So 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 our, our our guest today is uh is Sandra Henry Stocker, who um mm. whose thing is Unix is a second language, which is fascinating to me um it's not i'm not fluent enough yet and, and never, probably never will be <laughs> because it's, there's a certain point beyond which you quit trying but but fluent enough to to uh to use it on what i hate to say is a mac here that i'm talking through right now but it has unix at the bottom and i can get into a command line and you know do top and see what's not working and stuff like that so um and uh, so anyway, so what are your thoughts about that before we get started? I, I can't wait to speak to Sandra. I think it'll be really interesting. She's a, a really well-respected voice in the, the world of Unix and Linux, and she's been doing this a long time. And I can't wait to, to pick her brains a little bit about what she's, what she's been up to over the years and how she got interested in it. Yeah, me too. So, um, so we'll hurry into that. But first, I have to let Everybody know that this episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the only open source cross-platform password manager that can be used at home, at work, or on the go, and is trusted by millions. 
With Bitwarden, you can securely store credentials across personal and business worlds. Every Bitwarden account begins with the creation of a personal vault. Use Bitwarden for your business. It's fully customizable. Adjust features using enterprise policies to adapt to your business needs. Use Bitwarden Send, a fully encrypted method to transmit sensitive information, whether text or files. Team members can generate unique and secure passwords for every site. You'll get enterprise-grade security and their GDPR, CCPA, HIPAA, and SOC 2 compliant. Their end-to-end encrypted vault helps mitigate phishing attacks by storing passwords and more. Bitwarden recently announced that they will be rolling out two new features for enterprise plans. If you're currently a part of a Bitwarden cloud-based enterprise plan, all users will be granted free Bitwarden families accounts that give premium features for up to six total family members. Login with SSO added a new option for customer-managed encryption. It enables a self-hosted enterprise to use a local key server to manage vault encryption keys. Employees can access and decrypt their Bitwarden vault through their SSO credentials without additional passwords. Interested in a business plan? Their Teams organization option is $3 a month per user, where you can share private data securely with your coworkers, department, or entire organization. For enterprises, use Bitwarden's Enterprise Organization Plan for just $5 a month per user. Bitwarden believes that everyone should have access to basic password security tools. Individuals can use their basic free account forever for an unlimited number of passwords or upgrade anytime to their premium account for less than $1 a month. And if you're looking for secure password storage for your entire family, their family organization option gives up to six users premium features for only $3.33 a month. Using the Bitwarden Cloud, you can get started in no time. Monitor and manage security vulnerabilities using the Bitwarden Vault Health Reports. Identify exposed, reused, weak, or potentially compromised passwords, as well as any items in your vault with inactive 2FA. There has been recent news about a popular password manager suffering a credential stuffing attack. Credential stuffing is a known and unfortunately common attack whereby hackers attempt to use usernames and passwords that they find in the dark web to log in to other websites. This serves as a reminder that it is always important to use different passwords for every website you visit. And when using a password manager to create a strong and unique password only for your password manager, not used anywhere else. At Twit, we are fans of password managers. Bitwarden is the only open source cross-platform password manager that can be used at home, on the go, or at work, and is trusted by millions of individuals, teams, and organizations worldwide. Get started with a free trial of a Teams or Enterprise plan, or get started for free across all devices as an individual user at bitwarden.com slash twit. That's bitwarden.com slash twit. Okay, now let me, <laughs> jumping around here. Uh, okay, so I want to welcome to the show, um, uh, <laughs> forgive me, I, I had to restart before the show started and everything I had set up, so I had all my cues got kind of scrambled. So our, our guest is Sandra Henry Stocker, uh, who, who uh, uh, whose focus is Unix as a second language. Uh, she's been using and writing about Unix and Linux for more than 30 years. 
describes herself as a USL. Unix is a second language uh, person, but remembers enough English to write books and buy groceries. She lives in the mountains of Virginia when not working with or writing about Linux. She's chasing the bears away from her bird feeders. So <laughs> welcome, Sandra, to the show. There Thank she you. Is. Very good. With tucks over yeah. your right shoulder and... I'm not clear yet on what's over your left. It's virtual, though. Yeah, this we're, this is my virtual office. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where in 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 Western Virginia are you? I am in a little town called Star Tannery. Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe we have 900 people, and we're four miles from the border of West Virginia. So we're of West up there, Virginia. like the. Kind of that the yeah. the highest the northmost northern part of, of Virginia, but right near right. the border with West Virginia, so way out here. Excellent. And I'm I don't know what my altitude is here, but I'm probably like something like seventeen hundred feet above sea level. Yeah. So I'm on yeah, one of the, the peaks. Um, it's beautiful country. I've, I've I've been through there, and one of my best friends from there. And I'm trying to remember the name of his town. Ends in wood. That's all I remember about it. It's another beautiful. It doesn't, small doesn't town. begin with wood though. So it's not Woodstock. I don't think so. I, I, I okay. really don't know. Clitwood, Cleetwood, something like that. Um, he mm-hmm. he now lives in in, in Bangkok, <laughs> so in Thailand. Oh. So, yeah, and that's uh, pretty uh, far. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty far. It's pretty far. He had to, you know. But anyway, so so what what got you started on this? I mean, not only Unix and Unix is a second language, and Linux in particular. Well, um, I guess it was my second job after escaping college with a computer science degree. And I had spent a few years writing documentation for financial systems and realized that that wasn't really what I wanted. So I went back into a programming focus. And at that time, I worked for the federal district courts. And we were building a, an application to automate the criminal docket which included things like a model of criminal procedure. So everything it says in Title 18 had to be accommodated. Um, we managed judges' calendars, and we took care of Speedy Trial Act issues so that courts, these courts, which might have really large caseloads, wouldn't be letting people off just because they didn't start trial in time. Anyway, so we were doing our development on small Linux systems. No, Unix systems. I don't remember what what kind of Unix it was at the time. But as soon as I started working on the command line and piping commands together, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can do with a single string of commands what would normally take a lot of time writing a program. And I was just amazed and I loved it. So I just was like, I call it love at first bite. Um, it just uh-huh. was so fascinating to me and how how effective and wonderful it was to work with, with Linux, I mean with Unix. So I worked with Unix for a number of years before I eventually moved over to Linux. And that like after that position, I worked with a SunOS, which eventually turned into Solaris. And then I started working with Linux exclusively for a lot of years, like Red Hat, managing you a bunch of You started with servers. Red Hat? Yeah. My first Linux, yeah. Was, yeah. Was that I, yeah. There's never a last one, but what's, what, what are you using right now? Well, are I have a small network Hat? at home. Um, yeah. This I mean, screen which distro are you on, on the upper right, uh, yeah. that's Fedora. 
and underneath okay, is Linux great. Mint. So I have a small network here with a number of different systems. I have Windows. I have the two versions of Linux. I have a Mac OS system. Um, so, you know, I can try commands on different systems and move files back and forth. And, you know, just it, it means, you know, I don't like writing something if I don't know, well, is it going to be different, a different version of Unix? You know, if, if it's only works on one, I want to be able to say that. And so I like I like having my own little network. Do you have a, uh, a NAS, a network attached storage? I ask in part because I had a hell of a no, time setting up mine this last uh, week. <laughs> so. uh, no, all the all the storage is attached to the particular systems. I don't have anything independent. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so you're, um, so you, so you've come up with the Unix as a second language. I wonder if you could unpack that a bit for us. That's mm. a, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's it's a thought that I had a long time ago, and it just that I was, you know, for me, Linux wasn't just a bunch of commands. You know, it was a way of composing, um, of putting you know thoughts together and tools together, and um, so it, it felt like a, a language, like a second language to me, because of, of all the tools and and how we could use them and how they could communicate with each other. So it's just a, a fun way to describe my excitement. And I, yeah, there, I there a, try to be fluent. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. So, Sandra, how did you get involved in in writing then? Because you you you're a prolific writer. You write a lot of stuff for Network World. Was that? Oh, I do. Uh, you were obviously working in systems and stuff like that. How did you manage to kind of jump into the writing okay. side of things? Well, I've, all, I've ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to write. But at that point, my focus was science fiction because I thought it was fascinating. But anyway, but I, when I first, you know, I started my career thinking that writing and understanding computers was going to make a great career for me. And then I thought like, no, writing about financial systems and how to use them doesn't cut it. Um, But I was on the Sun User Group Board of Directors for about six years. And we used to have um, national conferences, usually on the West Coast. And one time when I went there, to one of these conferences, uh, I talked to, I guess it was one of the editors at Sun Expert magazine, and apparently their sysadmin author was leaving. So he asked me if I wanted to, to, to try it. So I did. So I started writing for Sun Expert, and then I've been writing for somebody ever since. Hmm. Do you, do you ever get um, writer's block? Do you ever find trouble, you know, finding a subject or inspiration, something to, to, oh, to write oh. about? Sometimes the hardest part of writing is finding something to write about because I, I don't want to write about something that I've written about in the last, like, five or six years. So sometimes it takes me as long to think of a topic as it does to put something together and run all the tests. And um, But what I've been trying to do lately is just... But, you know, find commands that I don't, you know, think I've ever written about before and make a list of them. And then when it comes to time to put something together, I go through this list and try to figure out which which I can write a good um, article about. So I have a, a list of probably like 50 or more commands that I think I haven't written about that might be fun. Excellent. Like one of the recent I, ones I, I did was on Fold. Sorry, go on. No, no, you go carry ahead. on. Oh, I'd, one of the recent things I wrote about was fold, the fold command. I'd never written about that before. So it was fun to put it together, and it was enough that I could say about it 
to warrant it being an article in itself. Sometimes I put a number of things that perform similar functions together in a, in a particular article, but Fold was fun. Mm. I also did a little one of my little your, videos on it. Go yeah, ahead. I was reading your, your blog today, and um, I really liked your uh, New Year's resolutions for, for sysadmins. I, uh, I had a look through those, and I have to admit that uh, things like regular backups and uh, making sure that you, you check things like user permissions and all those sort of things, they're, they're, they're really good advice. They're sort of things that we should all probably do. Um, have you made any New Year's resolutions? Do you do, you do that sort of thing? Well, other than those, um, most years I do come up with New Year's resolutions, but this year's been a little tough. I mean, my, my resolutions are things like to stay safe and stay sane um, and mm. try to, you know, spend a little bit, you know, sometime every day just being happy, just entertaining myself, you know, taking a break from sitting at my computer and working um, is important too. So just... Trying not to take life, you know, too seriously sometimes because <laughs> it can yeah, be scary. Good advice. That is very good advice. Uh, so obviously you you, uh, you use a lot of different commands and stuff all the time. What would you? Uh, it's going to be a hard question to answer, I would imagine. But can, could you mm-hmm. could you tell tell us like the the most common command that you would say you use is the one that you like your go to? Oh, most common command. <laughs> That might be something like VI. Um, oh, okay. You know, sometimes what I do is I run my history file, a history of my commands, and I run them through a, a, a pipe that counts how many of each I've used. And, you know, usually the, the commands that I use most often are like, you know, CD or LS or CAT, um, which are not my favorite commands, but they're certainly things that I need to, to run quite often. Yeah, for LS with an LTR to I can see my recent files the most the latest, so that can tell me what I've most recently been working on. Especially if I just started, like I started off writing something and then forgot what I called it, so I can just say, "Show me the mm-hmm. most recent files," and I go, "Oh yeah, that's what I called it." Of course. Mm. Do you, Do you ever write? So I'm guessing VI or Vim, obviously, is your editor of choice. Uh, others are available yeah. in case anyone gets upset. But <laughs> the, do you ever write? Do you, do you ever write articles in in VI or anything like that, or is that just strictly for technical stuff? And then you do your your kind of publishing desktop publishing stuff. In well, I might i I will often start with VI and just writing things that way, but then I usually will go ahead and HTMLize them before I upload them. It's easier, I think, than doing everything on the on the site where I deposit my my um, posts mm-hmm. excellent so what so i mean you've told us a bit about why you like using uh, linux and unix so much but what mm-hmm. is it that kind of excites you about the open source kind of nature and the world of it do you find that gets you going oh. it gets you excited to want to spread the word absolutely i mean one of the things that i love about linux is because it's open source people can build on each other's progress and they can make things better and different and also because it's open source it can be shrunk down so that it runs on you know tiny little devices or it can be broadened so it can run on the fastest supercomputers i mean the top 500 or more supercomputers are all running linux and you know that's not an accident that's because it makes it so possible to do that you know i i find that very exciting 
Yeah. Do you find that I, I found, I mean, I, I never, I've never written to any kind of level of yours, so, uh, to, to your kind of level, so, so <laughs> there's no way I could compare that. But I, I did years ago do interviews with people in the open source world, going to conferences and, and doing various things like that and talking to people. And I, I don't know if you'll, you'll agree with this. I found that in the open source kind of world, people, because you know who, who did what, so we all know who wrote what and who did, you know, I can't, I can't tell you who wrote certain bits of Windows or, or Mac OS, but I can certainly tell you who wrote almost every line. I could look it up for something like Linux. Do you find people are more open to, to like, talking and, and it's easier to get in touch with people and, and kind of form those kind of bonds? Mm, I would imagine so, but I haven't really been myself in touch with um, people that have written various parts of, of Linux or, or various tools. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, uh, Sandra, so, I mean, you, I mean, you've had your column going for some time and, um, and you're so enthused. Have you, have you been able to evangelize um, Linux and Unix itself or especially Linux to, to friends or communities or or others I mean have uh, it's always been a tough thing I, I think uh, I mean I yeah I worked for Linux journal for many years and it's oh. you know you there are the people who are already in it but attracting new people to the to the fold has always been a little bit hard so have you had any mm-hmm. luck with that well, some um you know most of the people that read my my posts probably people that are already using Linux, so they don't need to be drawn there. But I've also written uh, some articles for a newsletter called Ask Woody. And these are, it's a, these are newsletters that primarily go to Windows people. And so I wrote some articles talking about, you know, how they could get started to Linux and what some of the advantages are. So especially those people that are using like an old version of Windows, like Windows 7, might really consider that they should switch over to to some version of Linux and how much better off I think they would be. I'm just wondering about desktops. Um, uh, I, I remember, you know, way way back when early days of KDE, it so resembled Windows. It was actually not too hard to get Windows people pried off of that. And, on, and that was way back in Windows 95 time, 95, 98, and NT. And I'm wondering if there's if you've had any luck with that and saying no, try this desktop, try this or or that approach to see how familiar it might be to a Windows person. Oh yeah, that well, I think at least one of the articles I wrote talked about how it would be easy to move from Windows to some Linux desktops because a, a lot of where you find commands or you know and how you operate is is so similar that I didn't think that they would have much problem you know accommodating. Yet, um, this is almost a side question. Like, how many shells do you have open at a given time? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering. And you have one big screen to run many of them on. I've just seen that with a lot of people sometimes. You mean like how many terminal windows would I have open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, usually just one or two. Yeah. Because sometimes I, you know, I log in as more than one person, and you know, want if I depending right. what kind of examples I want to come up with. So I can run commands and you know say who and see both of us and so yeah sometimes I'll log in several times to a single system. I, I mean, it's, it's, I'm also wondering, you know, you're when you have people who have a high degree of competence, which you do, how much, how much you get called on to do tech support for friends or 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 for people. 
I have never been asked to do tech support. Oh, really? <laughs> Probably most of the people I know are using Windows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you said you you have um, you actually have running uh, you know Windows ten and a and a Mac laptop um, and uh, and you're are you okay you you you're running Mint Fedora and um, Fedora, Fedora and, right and Linux Mint yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and where where do you find yourself spending most of most of the time? I guess on Mint, right? Mm, no, I spend at least as much time on Fedora. So, mm. but I try, you know, like I I have these two versions so that I can test, you know, both the the Red Hat side of Linux and the Debian side of Linux. So if there are any important differences like how you install software. Um, I'm aware of that and conclude that in my article. So. Thanks for listening to Twit. Do you want customized host read ads that stand out? Then the Twit Network is the perfect place for your next advertising campaign. If you are tired of forgettable ad reads and want an authentic introduction of your products and services, then reach out today. Twit ads are compelling, specialized, and all of our shows include video, which means we can show off products, websites, and customized videos. Visit twit.tv slash advertise and launch a tailored campaign now. That's twit.tv slash advertise. So, so we're getting some questions from the back channel here. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one is, uh, do you keep up with the kernel development process? Any developments there, if so, that have you excited? Mm, no, I'm. I'm afraid I, I'm not doing much there. I do update my systems periodically, but I haven't been really delving into kernel development. It's, so maybe I should. It sounds interesting. So we we do have a question from um, Phoenix Warp in the chat room there, and uh, they say um, they'd like to know about your writing process, Sandra. Um, so do you teach outside of writing as well? Do you do other things that relate to it? And they just put down, what's your favorite application on Linux in the world? For application of Linux. Sorry, I'll get this right in a minute. Application of Linux mm-hmm. in the world. Any particular quirky projects that you really like? Okay. Well, I'm not teaching now, aside from answering occasional questions. I have one follower that, you know, considers me something of his of his tutor. So when he has a question, he asks me, which I love because whenever somebody asks me questions, it make, might make it easier for me to come up with topics because I know that if one person asks a question, probably a lot of other people have that same question um, in, in mind and would benefit from it. Um, as far as, what was the other part of that question? Um, it's uh, what was what's what's your favorite application of Linux in the real world, oh. or Linux in the world? Is there anything that jumps out in your mind? Do you mean an application on Linux or a particular distribution? Well, I thought that it says of it says of Linux. So where places where people have used Linux, I suppose, like maybe in car automation or aviation or any of those. I don't know anywhere. I, I, that's the way I took it. It says application of Linux. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll answer both questions. Question. I mean, mm-hmm. one of one of the places that I worked um, had a, a lot of, I think back then it was Sun OS and then Solaris servers, to work in the intelligence area, and it was nice how valuable the tools could be to understanding 
at a deep level what's going on in the world so that it was possible to give people that are you know high up in the government good advice um, about what we were saying. And so that was nice. As far as applications on Linux, one of my favorite is GIMP. I love you know love using GIMP. I mm. make political buttons and you know made this background and it just it's fun. I just love all that I can do with it, just to manipulate images and sometimes I post funny things on on Facebook mm. because I can put them together so easily. Mm. Yeah, G- GIMP is a really great tool. Did you uh, have you seen GIMP Shop? That's really good as well. Like that's like a little kind of side project to GIMP, where the the I suppose if you're used to the interface of GIMP, that's fine. But because a lot of people come from the the world of using something like Photoshop, where the menus are a little different oh. and the buttons are a little different, so GIMP Shop is a, is a is a a different UI on GIMP basically, which makes it easier for oh. for people who are coming across okay. to use. Yeah, which which is quite I haven't cool. used it, but um, I'll certainly. I'll take a look. Mm. It's worth it's. I, I should check whether the project's still going. Actually, I'll do that in a minute. But it was yeah. quite a big project for a while to try and get people to move over because one. Of the, I, I love GIMP, but one of the things that um, a few people or people I've tried to get to use it complain about is they don't like the user interface or they can't get used to all the little windows because it's a lot of separate little boxes oh. on your screen. And um, I don't know mm. why that seems to be something that people kind of come up against they they like the idea of one big program with all the win- menus inside it and stuff rather than oh. windows but there we go but um we've got i don't some, mind the little uh, windows some... yeah, no i i don't either i find them i've got used to them but there we go i was never great with yeah. photoshop anyway so maybe that's why Maybe that's a part of it. We've got um, <laughs> our, our good friend Jonathan Bennett of this parish has sent some questions in the chat, and uh, he wants to know whether Orc, Sed, or Grep is your favourite. Now, out um, of those, uh, those probably Orc. I really like Orc. Okay, but you could. I would say you can use them together anyway, can't you? You can pipe them together and do oh yeah, like they don't have absolutely. to be. They don't have to be. Um, separate but i used, I used to, to write know, but I, sorry carry on i used to write separate yeah. awk scripts just because they were um, i like the way it works and it <laughs> makes a lot of work easier yeah yeah i i used to know a, an old sysadmin years ago and he always used to say to me that uh, anything you can't do with sad and orc isn't worth doing <laughs> which i thought was was good advice okay i guess i'm not cooking yeah. dinner tonight <laughs> Well, true. Yeah, that is true. Maybe you could you could certainly print out a recipe or something. Maybe, uh, but I don't that's know true. Else. So, yeah. yeah, that is true. So, um, what uh, people are asking about things like I think Doc may have asked you this, but like kernel development and things like that. Do you do you look into any of that stuff, or do you just stick to using Linux? No, I you haven't. You don't. I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no worries. Um, so we've got another one from Phoenix Warp. You've generated a lot of questions in the chat people want to ask about. It says, um, what, is the, what is her most elegant solution using Linux command for something that she's proud of? So, so what's the most mm. elegant Linux command that you've... Is there a command that you're proud of, like something that you've made, that, like a little pipe that goes together or a script or something that you, you feel most proud of? Wow. That that's hard to answer off the top of my head. I mean, a lot of my the commands are, especially piped commands that I come up with. I turn them into aliases so that they're easy to use. And there's a lot of them that I really do appreciate because mm. I don't have to type all that stuff. I just type a couple letters and it does what I want. 
do you have you ever used um so obviously this is most i'm guessing this is mostly bash stuff like bash scripts that you, you're using to yeah to, mostly to do all of this. although i've used have you I've ever used tried Perl and python other... too yeah. Oh, great. Well, that's excellent. Uh, I was going to ask about alternative shells. Have you ever tried? I've not really tried them, but there used to be one called Fish, and there's a number of other little shells oh. you can use on Linux. Have you yeah. ever tried any of those? Oh, yeah. I think I, I think one of the posts I talked about some of the other other shells and why they were nice. But yeah, Fish is supposed to be very easy to use. Oh, okay. Well, that, that bodes well for me then, hopefully. <laughs> I, hope. <laughs> I haven't actually used it. I just, uh, somebody I know got very into it. Um, but I, 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 I just find Bash does everything that I want. And I, I love the, I'm so used to it, I think. Um, that yeah, I've been using it for decades. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so we've got some more questions coming here. So Jonathan was asking, uh, how often how often do you pull up the AT&T video of Kerrigan describing how pipes work? He says, I feel like I need it every couple of months. Oh, I'm not sure that I ever, well, ever did, but I've been using pipes for 31 years and I'm pretty used to them. Mm-hmm. And well, he says you need to go watch it. <laughs> Apparently, that's Jonathan's okay. advice. He says you need to go watch it. So, uh, yeah, Kernigan, I should say. It says AT&T video of Kernigan describing how pipes work. Maybe we can find, I, and find once, out what that's about. When we hang up, I'll go look at it. <laughs> Excellent. So... Um, have you got any? Uh, uh, have you got any advice to anybody who wants to kind of start out in doing writing and stuff like that? Because I find that pe- people, you know, I, I know loads of great people, who, young people who want to get involved and they don't really know where to start. Would you have any advice for somebody if they came to you and said, "How could I? Well, how could I become a writer?" Well, that's hard. I I was kind of fortunate that I just got started almost by accident. I mean, I wanted to write at that point because I, you know, I write a lot even outside of my Linux stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, having somebody ask me whether I might want to write for a magazine made it real easy for me. Um, but I would probably think that they should find some of the, um, some of the organizations or sites that they would like to write for and, and then ask, because I imagine that they're always, you know, a lot of them are looking for writers all the time. Um, and they could su- submit some samples, or, but I, I would just comb the the internet and you know just mm-hmm. find or find magazines or you know online sites that they would like to write for, and then look into it because hmm. they probably and put, put need yourself some forward, new people. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, that's yeah, that is great advice. I mean, you have to be. Uh, prepared to jump in there and, and say, hey, I, I, you know, get in touch with people. I'd like to do this, I suppose. Um, you were, you're right that it was very fortunate that somebody came along and asked you. Uh, I suppose that's the dream, isn't it, that you do what you love and then somebody comes along and says, hey, do you want to do, do some of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Doc, go on. Oh, no, uh, you're, you're going somewhere, so I'll, I'll hold off just a couple of small questions. Oh, right. No, no, it's fine. Um, I was just going to ask um, how many, you know, how many articles would you, do you write in a day? Do you spend like a day doing one thing or do you, do you concentrate on one article or do you scatter around and do various different things at the same time? 
Well, every month I have to write five articles for, for Network World and do three uh, my little two-minute videos. And sometimes I can get something done in a day, but usually I will do a draft one day and try to get it ready. And then the next morning I will look at it again because I always spot things that I didn't initially. If I back off from something and then come back, I have a better feel for whether it's flowing right. I spot little typos that I didn't see the day before. And I think it, it makes good to have a little brain break in between drafting something and getting it ready. So there are probably some posts that take me more than a, you know, maybe two, maybe even as many as three days um, to get done. Not that I'm working like eight hours a day on them, but you know, just to put something together and then think more about it and then add to it and then polish it and then post it. There's a question here, which is, uh, if you're forced to choose, would you prefer to be a writer or a sysadmin? I have a follow on that if the answer is <laughs> a sysadmin, mm. I guess. Well, at this point, I really like writing. I, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't administer a couple of systems on my own because but I, I did, I was a, you know, sysadmin for most of my years. I programmed for a few years, then went into system administration. So um, at this point, I like just writing because I don't have to leave my home. Um, it's just easy, but it, it, I really need some of both. And to be able to write, I need to do the work too. I need to understand yeah. my computer. I need to use the tools to look at it. Um, um, write scripts that that check my system that tell me what to pay attention to and upgrade fairly frequently, especially the late releases um, of these OSs. So, so um, a couple couple more coming in here. Um, one is: that, Do you have any career advice for a prospective? It says writer or assistant man. I think the system is a little bit more interesting because it's closer to Linux itself. Um, and especially, I think, because this has been a subject of some other shows that we've had, more and more action is moving on to into enterprises. People are working for big, big companies or, and doing and working it with containers and things that are sort of higher, higher up levels. So I'm wondering, you know, and, and I think system administration has probably changed over the last few years. So what career advice would you give to people or just observations about how that's working right now? Well, that, that is a hard question to answer, but what the, whatever they want to do, they should at least try to find ways to get some experience with that so that they can demonstrate, you know, at, when they're ready, that they're, that they're ready to take on that kind of responsibility. Um, you know, I, I at least a, start a, at the basics, but build. Yeah, yeah. Completely off the wall question here, just, just based on what I've, I've seen it. Did you have written, including to us, which is um, you got you got started writing when as a kid you read Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, I'm wondering, have you have you seen the movie again? This this one or the first one? And do you have any opinions about that? I do because <laughs> I've read. I, oh. I was so turned on by the book way back when, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that. Have you seen that? Uh, no, unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. I've been kind of hiding out in my little half a mile down a private dirt road home. Um, I look forward to when I can see it. And yeah, even though I haven't, haven't, I mostly write about Linux. I have written a number of short stories and, and th those were published in a little, what's it called? Um, awesome tales, little 
booklets with various people's writings. So it's fun to do that too. I like writing science fiction, but I don't spend a lot of time on it. I used to be all along to a writing group that met every week. And so having to have something ready made a difference. And we haven't been meeting since the plague began. And so I need to get back to doing some fiction too. Sounds really cool. I, 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 I very uh, inspirational. I mean, I um, I was wondering about how obviously the the world's been in a strange place the last couple of years. Has the pandemic affected your work at all, or, or your kind of, uh, or, or you know your 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 um, travel? Maybe do you all those sorts of things? Has, has that had any effect on you? Well, it hasn't affected my work since I've been really just writing from home and have my own little network here for quite a few years mm. now since I retired from my full-time job. Um, mm -hmm. uh, let's see what else. Mm. I'm sorry. What was the other part of that that's question? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. So uh, Jonathan was asking us as well about... Um, about you, what's your internet connection like out in in West Virginia? There, apparently, he's uh, apparently the some of the connections are a bit. Do you do you running into into any problems with connectivity, or are you, are you fine? Or? Well, first, I'm in Western Virginia. I'm just yeah, on yeah. this, this side of the West Virginia border, <laughs> but it is it is you know it, I am in small a small town, and like I said, I'm off of a big road, which is Route 55. But I, I'm on a private dirt road, and and interestingly, yesterday morning, I had someone from Shell Chantel, that's my um, internet provider, out to my house to replace my router because it was um, getting very flaky. Sometimes it would show up, and sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes it would perform well, and sometimes it had almost no bars when I looked at the little symbol. So... Yeah, sometimes I have problems because we're we're not a high population area, so we're not a big priority um, for the local area. I do get my connection through a, a close by town called Strasbourg. Hmm. Star Tannery uh, is small. Oh, sorry, carry on, carry on. Yeah, yeah the I Star mean, Tannery so is so small. We have like two businesses in the whole town. Wow. It sounds idyllic, though. It sounds lovely and 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 uh, relaxed, if that's the right term. It is um, that. So the, yeah, yeah. And and it's the kind of does uh, the idea of being a writer and being away from a uh, kind of does there's a kind of romantic notion to that. I think of being a writer and being in a little town and you know just getting away from everything and 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 that doing your thing. You know that's really cool. Um, so you mentioned like we talked about internet connections. Um, Jonathan's asking about Starlink as well. I don't have you looked into Starlink and will that be a game changer at all for you in terms of like connection, like satellite connection, maybe. I suspect it would be better. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometime I'll have to, to go that way. No, I yeah. haven't yet. You haven't looked into it yet, no problem. Um, he, we've got a question here that Jonathan's put in, which is, <laughs> is 2022 the year of the Linux desktop? Which I think he's asking a little facetiously. I would certainly love to believe that, but I, I think that a lot of Windows people are not ready to convert. So, mm. 
my kind of my answer to that was it's always the year of the Linux desktop, isn't it? I mean, oh, okay. maybe not the desktop, I suppose, but because Linux is in so many places, uh, it's on most people's mobile phones, you know, and, and I say most people, a lot of people's mobile phones. Uh, it's in things like toasters and televisions and cars <laughs> and, and all these things. It's yeah. around us all the time, but airplanes. So Linux is around us all the time. Maybe it's not oh, the thing yeah. that everybody sits down to use on their laptop quite the same or so on, but it's still, you know, it's still around everywhere, I would say. I think there are a lot of people that are using Linux and have no idea. Mm. Exactly. I, I'm curious. Do you uh, did you have a, an Android phone by any chance? Oh yes. You use? Oh good. Which what are, what are you using there? Oh, this is a. Oh, I forget. This has a weird name, like Q something other. It's a nice phone, but apparently it's not going to last me much longer. There's they're going to upgrade the connection speed here and or something, and this isn't going to work for very long. I'm going to have to get a, a replacement phone. It's a 10v40. Oh, what is it? 10v40. 10v40? Thin. Thin. Oh, thin, something like thin QV40 is what this phone is. Hmm. You could probably turn it into an appliance. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I could still play games on it. Uses old, it uses, I think it's S10, whatever it is that's sort of like the household um, lighting. And, you know, if you have a lighting system in your house, he's got, he's got Android old Android phones nailed to the wall and at each one operating a light switch that other people in the house don't know how to use. Fun. <laughs> it's, so it's, 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 but they're running, they're running Linux. It's at, at, at some level. Um, there's, there's another question from the back channel. Um, are there any open source projects that you contribute to uh, when you're, when you're not writing your, your column? No, I haven't. Maybe that's another thing I should do. I would probably enjoy it, but I haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. We we asked the Starlink thing. Did did Starlink tempt you at all by any chance? Have you looked into that? Oh, um, it it definitely is interesting to me. Um, I just... Yeah, I just know. I don't know how well it would work. And again, to put something on the roof of the house and and hopefully it connects, I... I don't know if it matters that I'm in a very woodsy spot. If that makes a difference. Yeah. Well, the woods. It, it, you need to be able to see enough of the sky. I know. Um, Jonathan yeah. lives in Oklahoma. If you looked at my house, open. if if you looked at my house from above, you'd see a little building almost covered by trees. Yeah. So that that's why we haven't done anything with solar yet. It's just. It's just we don't have much exposure. Yeah, well, that makes it ideal. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a uh, somebody shared a photo recently of 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 their Starlink dish, which apparently is electrical to some degree, and has some warmth to it with a pile of cats on it. <laughs> so, and that was a you know, <laughs> so they 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 okay. all went outside and gathered in a pile on his Starlink. Um, so weird. So you've been at this for for thirty years. I mean, if you were to look five years out or any number of years out, do you see any changes coming that, you know, just sort of watching trend of the years in any particular way? Oh, well, there certainly have been a lot of changes in how Linux is deployed. And, you know, just 
you know, the whole idea of cloud services. And I mean, when I started, everything was local. And when I worked for the court systems, you know, we were going to put little computers in the courthouses so that they didn't have to come across TimeNet into a computer in D.C. And so much has changed since then. Um, and just things are becoming more layered in, in the whole idea of computing and, and Linux. Is so that I, the I, biggest change you've seen, that, 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 that this, this increasing layering, I imagine, with, with containers and the rest of it, where more of it gets packaged up? Or um, I guess I'm thinking of looking back over the last, uh, over the last 30 years. Oh, well, that's, that's one of the most recent changes, I guess. Over 30 years? Wow. I mean, when I first used Linux and, you know, it was like open source and I thought, okay. You know, I had no idea back then what that was eventually going to mean. Um, it was huge, but it didn't feel like that at the time. Like, okay, so it's open source. What, you know, how does that change life for me? Um, but uh, the, the do, tool... do you find yourself saying to people, um, for example, you know, I mean, the, the term open source actually wasn't used in except in military places, but not used by everybody until a bunch of geeks decided, no, we're going to talk about open source instead of free software back in 1998. And then the whole world by now knows what open source is, um, or as a term, they just hear the term open source, they, they even use it. Um, but I, I'm wondering if, if you ever find yourself correcting people saying, no, here's what it actually means. Mm, maybe once or twice, but it seems to me most people that I talk with really already understand what that is. So, so here's one from the back channel. Um, what would it, do you th this may be an impossible one to answer because I've been at it for a long time and I don't have an answer for it either, but um, do you have any thoughts on what it would take to make Linux the desktop of choices for the masses that would take where, what change would you make, if any, or addition you would make, if any, to Linux mm -hmm. that would get people to go off of their Macs and their Windows, their Windows boxes? I think that, you know, there are a lot, you know, a number of versions of Linux that would be very easy for Windows users to jump to, and it's free, so I don't know why more of them aren't already jumping. Um, so I, I don't know what we'd have to do to, to make the appeal more. Um, compelling. Yeah, to me, it's it's always been a little bit like, um, look, you're really better off with a stick shift than an automatic, right? So, and, and so, learn to yeah. drive a stick, and it's pretty hard to convince people of that. Um, we're coming down toward toward the the, the our, our hour uh, close here, and we we um, we always close with a, a number of questions that. Uh, are kind of our control questions and you've actually answered some of them already, but I'll start with, um, are there any questions we have, haven't asked or asked that we, that, uh, that we should have, that you'd like to address? Mm, I don't think so. I think you've done a good job. <laughs> we do a better job. If we could stretch this out though, <laughs> but that's always the case. Um, 
And and you mentioned, you know, we, we always ask, um, uh, well, actually, here's one that we haven't talked about yet, and you may or may not have thoughts about, which is that we ask everybody if they have anything to say about blockchain. No, sorry. Yeah. Or <laughs> so somebody asked me, uh, since we always ask that, why are we not asking about crypto as well? So then we must have to ask, add that to that. Does anybody ever bring up crypto or cryptocurrencies or anything like that with you since they might see you as an expert on, on Linux, but you might know more about that as well. That ever no. come up? Yeah. My daughter probably knows more about crypto than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you're not, you're not owning or selling any NFTs right now, I guess. No, uh, no me, me neither. Um, a couple of questions are um, that, that we always have. What are your favorite um, uh, text editors and scripting language? And you've already done that, but since we always ask it at the end of the show. Uh, yeah. Well, I I usually use Bash just because I know it so well. I've been using it for yeah. so long. But like I mentioned, I have used Py- a Perl and Python as well. Yeah. And uh, and for a text editor, you you like VI? Did I hear that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's almost it, automatic yeah. now. Yeah. 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 It it gets it gets to be like that. Um so Dan, have we left any turns unstoned here? <laughs> Cute. Probably not. I mean we, we have covered quite a lot of stuff. Um that's a, it's a good question. Um I suppose one thing I I was gonna ask is um having worked with Linux for so long and, and written about it for so long and all that kind of stuff. Um, is there, um, I mean, Doc's already asked about whether we can get people to use it on the desktop. That's a bit different. Is there any, what do you think, is there any big kind of development that came along that got you really excited? Is there any moments you can think of where, you, you know, that you think made a big impact on Linux? That's a tough question, I know. Well... I'm not sure, but certainly taking over the supercomputers was Mm. just an amazing accomplishment. As I imagine, those systems are used for many, many extremely important applications. So I'm I'm very impressed that that Linux is such a, you know, major, major, um, plays a major role in, in supercomputing. Mm. And scientific use as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, that kind of goes hand in hand. But so many things like scientific Linux, which was spun off of Red Hat, I think, or, or um, CentOS. I mean, it seems like in the in the kind of lab world, as you're talking about supercomputers, labs, all those kind of things. So many of them are using uh, Linux-based machines and 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 yeah, old Uni- or some kind of Unix type machine uh, to do some of the the most important jobs in the world like bio, you know, uh, microbiology research all these kind of things yeah so there's things like what mapping genomes all of these amazing things it's quite Imagine. incredible yeah one of the places i worked was um johns hopkins university i was in mm-hmm. the physics and astronomy department where people were studying the subatomic subatomic particles and others were trying to map the cosmos. And I imagine these days they've got those Linux systems that I use to manage, helping them doing that kind of research, which is absolutely mind-bendingly exciting. 
Yeah. Did you keep in touch with any of those old contacts? Because, I mean, that sounds fascinating. I'd love to... I, love I think to I need to keep, touch. You know, I have... I have from time to time. I need to t- get back and see if any of the people that I work with are, are still there. But it was mm-hmm. a fascinating place to work. Yeah, I know you're Excellent. at Johns Hopkins Physics and Astronomy, and I'm wondering, I mean, do you... Actually, it seems like you live in a good place, even though you can only see through the trees so much to stay <laughs> yes. on top of astronomy. Um, as a matter oh, of fact, thinking, not, you, But yeah. it's very dark. I mean, we don't have a lot of lights here because we're not near any big city. We go over the border to West Virginia and off 55, there's a place you go, big parking lot, and you can sit there and there's like no light interference. It's just a fascinating place to sit and look up at the sky. And if you have a telescope, all the more better. So we do have some nice resources for that. I was thinking there's a, there's a, it's controversial. One of the controversial things about Starlink is that it's uh, it's annoying the astronomers because you have these, you know, you take oh. a time lapse photo or something, you get these little streaks across the sky, which are are your your nearest node <laughs> that you're not using while you're looking at the stars. Uh, but that's great. Do you get up there often, and do you have your own telescope, or do you just uh, do you have, we have you we have a small telescope? I'll probably someday yeah. get a bigger one. But we go out there often because I also have a little cabin in West Virginia, so it's only like oh, twenty minutes from my main home, and so we, we drive out that way, and we will often stop there if it's dark when we're coming back. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, it um, we're, we we've managed to go past the end, and that's been ah. great. So, so thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, been you're great welcome. Time. And I, I encourage people to read your column and keep up with your work. It's been terrific. Right. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm very flattered and mm-hmm. happy to have you know done this and. Say hi to everybody who's listening or watching. <laughs> and thank you, too. So, Dan, how's that for you, man? Uh, really interesting, yeah. It was really great to talk to um, to talk to Sandra about all the, the things that she's done. I always find it really interesting to talk to people who've been doing this for for so long about what's changed over the years and and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I did really um, enjoy asking her about writing a bit as well asking how people I, something i should ask you doc although you're not the guest today so <laughs> that, yeah. save that for another show maybe where we make you a guest uh, but yeah asking about writing and where ideas come from and and all that sort of stuff yeah writing for me unfortunately is just such a body function but <laughs> i can't help it uh, it's also rollo may rollo may is uh who wrote a book on creativity um once said that writers were the only creative types who suffered the illusion that the world really needs to hear what they have to say. <laughs> so that, that more or less typifies me. <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah. I've, it's, it's a little bit like the, uh, you know, there's an old onion story, which was error found on internet <laughs> and that yeah. SKCD uh, cartoon about, you know, guys to stay up late because he found something wrong on the internet and had to fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I, I think that's one way that the geeks in general and writers overlap, right? We're always fixing things. We're always imagining we're fixing things. And there's no perfect, one perfect way to do it either. You know, debugging the world is, is what we do <laughs> and have been. Yeah. So great. We're getting some thanks in the back channel. That's good for, uh, for the show. So anything yeah, you want to plug the chat there, Dan? was really active there. The chat was very Sorry, active. Yeah. And 
big yeah, chat was very active. They got into a big discussion about your question of uh, of how we make it uh, Linux more popular in the desktop, and uh, we're getting lots of that. And people saying, yeah, there we go. People saying thanks as well. Um, so sorry, you're asking me things to plug. Uh, I haven't really got anything massive to plug. People can find me at danlynch.org uh, if they want to, and they can find me on Twitter as well. Uh, Ant is helpfully putting up my Twitter posts at the moment. Um, so th- I suppose one thing I will mention very quickly is I've talked in the past on the show about uh, Liverpool Make Fest, which is a big uh, event that we run in Liverpool, funny enough, and uh, where we, we, we get a lot of uh, kids together. We get like people of all ages come into the library and we show them how to make certain things like robots and coding and art things and anything from knitting to uh, you know, anything you can think of, anything creative. So we, we're actually... Um, we're going to run that this year, hopefully everything being well with, with um, the health situation. We haven't been able to do it for a couple of years, but I'll be updating people soon about how they can get involved with that. And, and if they're uh, in the area and they want to come along and they, they've got a project they want to show, I'll share with them how to do that in coming weeks. So that's something that's coming up. That's great. Um, I, I don't have anything to plug, but I wanted to um, just look at the back channel for one more thing missing it it's okay i <laughs> just thank everybody for being on the show um and we will see you next week and our guest next week as always i am not on top of that and i mean to be uh is uh every every, every penarum that's uh, uh so he's coming up um and uh and we have um a couple more uh, stefano mafuli new head of um of OSI coming up the week after that, and Rob Lejess, who we just added again, who I know from his work with Rackspace years ago. Really interesting guy. So anyway, we'll see you next week. Until then, thanks. No ads, just the content. That's what you get when you join Club Twit. You even get extras like Twit Plus, our new bonus feed just for members, and exclusive access to the Club Twit Discord community. Join now for just $7 a month and support Twit as we continue to create top-notch podcasts you expect and deserve. Go to twit.tv slash club twit to learn more and sign up now. Thanks. Thanks.